0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Credal Catholic. I'm very excited today to be kicking off a four-part series on the theology of the body. And I'm doing so with three different guests because I, although a fan of theology of the body and, and someone who has a passing familiarity with its core ideas and certainly an appreciation for its depth, I am certainly not an expert, so I wanted to bring in some ringers to help me break this down. So I am joined today by Bill Donahy, Patricia Delara smith and Connor Smith. Bill, Patricia, and Connor, welcome to Credo Catholic.
1: Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's really good to be on here talking about something that is super, super important and relevant to the age we're living in right now. So thanks for having me.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having us. It's a really exciting opportunity to speak with all of you today.
1: Yeah, we're excited.
0: Great. Well, let's do this. I'm going to read your guys' bios, and then I'm going to hand it back to you just to kind of intro yourself if there's something a little bit more than the bio. And my fundamental question for you in that intro is going to be, tell me how you became interested in the theology of the body. So let's start with Bill's bio here. Bill uh, has worked in mission evangelization and education since the early 1990s and joined the faculty of the Theology of the Body Institute in 2010, becoming a full-time member of the team as content specialist in 2013. With a background in visual arts, philosophy, and systematic theology, Bill has given talks and retreats to bishops, priests, deacons, religious, and the lay faithful throughout the country and internationally. Bill is the co-author of the popular program, Rise, 30-Day Challenge for Men, and is a proud husband and father of four. Patricia is a life science consultant who specialized, or who has specialized in pharmaceuticals since 2013, and has been a student and teacher of John Paul II's Theology of the Body since 2017. Apart from her life science consulting and teaching, she enjoys fine art, theology, health policy, and leadership, and she holds informal Theology of the Body seminars with various audiences. Her master's dissertation is uh, pithily entitled, Fecundity, Awareness, and Contraceptive Choices in the Five Most Income Equal High-Income OECD Countries. She's a happy wife and aspiring mother, and her husband is Connor who is joining us today as well, a business intelligence consultant consultant, transforming data into actionable insights for pharmaceutical companies since 2019. He has been drawn to John Paul II's experiential approach and the vocabulary he uses to communicate Catholic thought. With a background in debate coaching, law, economics, and leadership, Connor joined Patricia's seminars when they began dating in 2018. And now, a newly married husband, the theology of the body brings Connor to understand himself and his marriage more profoundly. Great intros, guys. Thank you for those. And I'll pitch this question to Bill first. So, Bill, we just read your formal bio, but tell me more about how you got involved in the theology of the body and why you love teaching it.
1: Oh, absolutely, Zach. Um, I, you know, teaching this and studying it intently now for, you know, 20 years, I'm constantly going into my own story in prayer. Like, how does this, this teaching shapes my life, not just my work, but my life. And I really praise God. The first touch for for me of theology was 1986. It was relatively hot off the presses. I was a 16 year old kid in a Catholic bookstore in North Jersey. And I picked up this book. um, And it had a beautiful uh, cover with with a tree with sunlight streaming through the leaves. And it was um, about the original unity of man and woman. And I cracked it open, started reading it. And Honestly, like something started haunting me from that moment. I didn't read the entire uh, work. It was, as, as we'll see, very theologically and philosophically rich, but it grabbed me and followed me, the themes of it, until literally the Jubilee year 2000, when I heard the tapes, cassette tapes, if we can remember those, of Christopher West, uh, who is really a leader in opening this teaching for the world. Since then, I've become, you know, we've become dear friends. He's a colleague. And a mentor, and uh, so that was the first touch as a teenager. Now it has followed me and become my life's work to unpack this teaching for the world. And I, um, it's such a been such a grace.
0: Great, thank you, and thank you for your work at the Theology of the Body Institute. I think it's this is a, as we'll talk about this is a a body of theology that really needs to be heard by the world at large. And I think we'll also talk about this, but it has applicability to people who are not even Catholic, and this can be an, an evangelization tool as people understand more. About themselves and how God made them. So, Patricia, over to you. How about How about you? When did, When did you first uh, fall in love with the, the theology of the body?
2: I uh, surprisingly, I think probably before I even knew about it. <laughs> so, I think I always had kind of concepts of the ideas, and I've heard about it for um, almost all my life. Um, thankfully, I think being surrounded by good people. Um, but I really started to dig deep into it in 2017. I think it was just really like what Bill said, a, a kind of a haunting where I, I knew about it. It sounded really great. And I felt that I really had to just seize it and really learn it for myself. Um, and ever since then, it has been a sort of calling to continue to learn it and share it with others. But I would say too, that probably because of my interest in health and my background in health, I knew that the body was always something very important. And then with my faith as well, bringing that together and having an account of it um, from John Paul II would be just something amazing to get to know. So I think that's how it all came about in in brief.
3: Great, and how about you, Connor? Uh, Sure, so I'm probably the relative newcomer here. I started getting into theology of the body about the same time that I started dating Patricia. Um, I started attending some of her seminars, and it was always one of those works that, like every other person, had recommended to me that I need to read and understand. Um, but it was only until I started reading it that I started to more appreciate that I'm a little bit uh, more pragmatic-minded when I read my when I read things, and I wonder how can I use this or use it to talk to somebody else. And um, I just appreciate the unique experiential perspective that JP two has when he talks to people, and I think that's a vocabulary that a lot of people now don't necessarily agree with a lot of his ideas will also use, incidentally enough, and I think it is a really effective way of, of talking to people about things that I find important and true, and a way of potentially um, convincing them of the same.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I like your point about how things need to be experientially linked to be understandable. Right? I mean, it's it's fun and and it's great to be able to have a deep philosophical conversation about about existential realities, but it's really important, especially in evangelization, especially in helping people live out their faith, to give them language that helps them realize this is something that applies to them today. So I, I like your point about that, Connor, and I think the theology of the body, based on what I, what I know of it, uh, really does that that well. And, and I think John Paul II was really good at that, uh, had a very good sort of pastoral approach and was was well familiar with what people needed to live out their faith. Well, let's dive in a little bit here, Let's unpack, maybe in a three-minute summary, what the theology of the body is all about. And Bill, since you uh, have been teaching this for years, I'm going to throw this question to you and give you the challenge of packing the theology of the body into a a 180-second soundbite.
1: Okay, Zach, so 180 seconds to unpack what John Paul II took five years to do. Thanks for the challenge. You're welcome. Here we go. Yeah, elevator pitch. Essentially, objectively, the theology of the body— is a biblical catechesis. It's a meditation on scripture of human embodiment. Our maleness, femaleness, to be made in the image of God, what does it mean? So, John Paul II, by quoting over a thousand passages from scripture, the word of God, with his own philosophical understanding, right, the words of man, so to speak, experience, phenomenology, he connects, in a way, uh, heaven and earth, the theology of the biology, and gives us this beautiful understanding of what it means to be a person uh, in the visible world, how we image God through sacramentality. The Theology of the Body uh, is a collection of over 135, uh, 130 audiences that John Paul delivered from 1979 to 1984. So that is objectively what it is. Um, It is also Humanity 101. (laughs) Condensed, it is the meaning of life the identity and the mission of the human person, and I uh, cannot wait to unpack it further in this series. Great, sounds sounds exciting. Yeah, I, I uh,
0: appreciate that elevator pitch. I think you did a pretty good job, and uh, you kept it <laughs> high level, right? Which which avoided going uh, going thirteen years rather than three minutes. So, um, <laughs> so I think my next question is, and, and this is an open question for anybody here: How did the theology of the body come about? Or maybe I should ask why it came about. So it was these these general audiences. Uh, 130 of them over a span of years. But why did John Paul II make this one of his signature contributions to the church? What was going on, what is going on today, perhaps, that makes this such an urgent and timely teaching?
1: Sure. And let me clarify, he delivered 129 audiences from St. Peter's in Rome. We discovered 135 were actually written. There are six undelivered talks on the Song of Songs, which are astoundingly beautiful. So, essentially, it's about 135 audiences, but it came about as a book, actually. In, um, in 1968, St. Paul VI wrote Humanae Vitae on human life, where he reiterated and proclaimed uh, the truth about the human person as called to love and life. So, speaking about the contraceptive issue of the day, he you know, held steadfast to the church's teaching. Now, in the very thin work, Humanae Vitae, he said to understand the church teaching here you need to have a total vision of the human person a total vision of man an adequate or complete anthropology now he did allude to all the truths that we should understand so we understand what why contraception would be wrong and morally evil but in that thin deliverance of human vitae he didn't give the complete total vision but a uh, a young cardinal Carol Wojtyla, took up the challenge and from 1974 to 1978, the future St. John Paul II, in his chapel, was writing in Polish the theology of the body. So it was essentially a book first, answering the question, what does it mean to, you know, to be a person? And why is this so important to understand in order to understand contraception? So really it came about as this, this clarion call to define who we are in the face of a modern world that thinks we can kind of like mechanically define the human person, and we can pull this part out, the fertility, and seek just like the fun of sex. John Paul realized, you I got to give the total vision. And so that's how it kind of came about. By providence, he, was, uh, he finished the work, literally he finished writing Theology of the Body, when his predecessor, Pope John Paul I, died. It was in those 33 days of his pontificate that were so brief that he completed the work, then was named Pope. And in that first year, translated his Polish manuscript into those 130 some audiences into Italian and began to unpack them for the world. Totally providential and amazing the way the spirit uh, prepared him.
0: That is amazing. I had no idea that this was already a manuscript before he became Pope. That's really cool. I thought he was Pope and then decided I'm going to Pontificate uh, literally pontificate on this these ideas <laughs> and do a bunch of audiences so that's that's great, thanks for that nugget uh over sure. to you, Patricia and Connor. I'm curious to know um not necessarily all of the core ideas of theology of the body, but to you each, what are some of the most um sort of uh motivating, energizing, compelling core ideas of the teachings of theology of the body
2: Yes, sure uh so definitely um I would start with saying that humans are good gifts that are both entirely physical and spiritual would be primary message that runs throughout the whole work.
3: Yeah, no, I was just going to agree with you there. I think like that life is a gift is a huge um, centerpiece for JB2 because it's not just, you know, how do you understand different experiences or, or different ideas, but it's your starting place for understanding the world. And I think he very strongly roots life as gift in that, and it's, uh, it's a pretty big cornerstone for later parts of his thought.
2: And yes, building on that, um, yeah, so promi- if we always remember that humans are good gifts, it's a very good thing to remember and will help understand the rest of, 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 of everything we speak about. But the fact that humans are good gifts um, always have been and are and will be, regardless of time, culture, and context, Is really important, and apart from that, um, building on, I think one more thing is that our identity as gifts, uh, coupled with our awareness or our reason of that we are gifts, and our freedom as humans, gives us a unique human dignity um, that merits that or meriting that all of our actions should always treat our natural bodies and others' natural bodies as good gifts.
0: So, and it sounds like, I I guess, clarifying question on the gift thing, right? So are humans a gift to each other? Are humans a gift to the world? Or is our human life a gift to ourselves from God or all of the above?
2: I would say all of the above. (laughs) And I saw Bill was agreeing, so.
0: Okay, perfect. And it sounds to (laughs) me like, uh, and and I I know this is the the case, but I think sometimes people think that theology of the body is really all about sex. And it certainly has a lot of bearing on sex and how we think about marriage and procreation. But is it the case that theology body is all about sex? It really just applies to married people, to non-religious, et cetera.
2: I would say not at all because, I mean, even just from what I've said in the, in a short answer, just if you look at yourself and other people as gifts, um, that will change your mindset about life and everything. And it's not only to do with sex.
3: No, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a starting point. So if you understand yourself as a gift, you have to first understand yourself as like, you are a good gift and that goodness helps you understand yourself and then into relation to other people. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you relating to somebody else in a marital context. It can be any relationship. Right. And, um, but yeah, that key starting point of we are good. And then that goodness is something that we share
1: through that. I'll throw another layer on there, and I, I would totally affirm and agree with what uh, Connor and Tricia just said. But part of the, the gift of Theology of the Body is this reclaiming and, and rescuing of words and what they mean. Because we do often hear, Zach, your point, it's all about sex. What is sex? We, in our modern world, go right to the verb. Sex is something you do with your spouse or your partner or whatever. But the genius of John Paul is saying, let's go backwards and say, you know, sex is first the noun. Sex is who you are. We are embodied. We are sexual persons, which is unique in the whole created universe, right? That we have this uh, this gendered reality of maleness and femaleness. So in a certain sense, it is all about sex because sex is all about being human. Dr. Peter Craved paraphrases Genesis, uh, the beginning in Genesis says, sexuality is the image of God, right? We, we are the image of God, sexuality, male and female, he created them. So it's, this is part of it. The redemption of that word sex, it's bigger and broader than we can, uh, than we can imagine. And John Paul gives us that, that vision.
0: I like that. And, you know, to, to sort of build off your uh, comment there, Bill, what you're saying is today we think, or some who some who uh, engage with theology of the body or sort of just know about it, think this is just all about sexual intercourse, right? It's just, it's just theological lessons for sexual intercourse. What you're saying is, no, it's really about us as human persons and to understand the human person, we have to see ourselves as having sex um, and being made in the image of God. And my next question for, for all of you is, what are some ideas today that theology of the body upends. We already talked about sort of the cultural milieu in which John Paul II is writing this. And I think of like the, you know, the sixties and the free love movement and uh, anti-war, et cetera. And I think he would have a lot to say to that dynamic, but what about today? And when I just go right to, you know, a lot of people think that Catholics are anti-sex or afraid of sex. Uh, And the opposite is of course true. We want to reclaim sex and, and, and advance a more comprehensive vision of what sex is. But that's just one of the very kind of pernicious ideas that are out there that Theology of the Body helps us understand. You know, I'm also just thinking about, obviously, marriage and gender ideology, etc. But um, to you all, what do you think are some of the key ideas that Theology of the Body can help us understand and resist? Sh-
2: sure, I can start with a few, but I think there, there are really so many, and this is why this, is, this teaching is so important. And so... I, you can apply this to, I guess, what people commonly see as as sex, but you can apply it to anything in any of our actions where it challenges um, acting based purely on feelings or based purely on convenience, um, acting based on impulse. Um, it, it challenges lack of commitment. Um, taking it into wider uh, topics that we haven't mentioned yet, it, it can challenge um, surrogacy or euthanasia. So I just wanted to mention some of those that probably aren't as obvious.
3: Yeah, maybe a little bit more abstractly. Um, it pushes back on some of the the tendencies in society for us to be kind of mind-body dualistic. Um, since we both work in pharma and I specifically work in data, it's really common for us to want to you know isolate the individual variables, find the specific you know um, solution to some particular disease or condition, and then kind of write it off and you're like, we're done. But... You know the person is more than just um you know individual aspects of ourselves we are our body we are our souls we are you know the combination of those things um so theology of the body definitely pushes back on some of those compartmentalizing that we do to kind of understand ourselves in modern society uh, to affirm everything
1: you, you both just said and it really is the, it's the turnkey to answer so many of the dysfunctional visions we have today the misunderstandings but Like, in a really broad, sweeping way, um, and this goes back to, you know, sexuality is the image of God, living in such a a sometimes hedonistic, individualistic, isolating culture where our attitude is typically taking and grasping for ourself, for my self-fulfillment, for my happiness. There's an obsession with control um, and stability and security in in a sense Whereas the gospel is this radical call of gift, as we mentioned earlier, and gifting and getting out of myself into the mystery of the other. And that is so radically different. Even the concept of mystery, John Paul talks about this in one of his works, that the modern world hates mystery. I, I, I need to know everything and I need science to, dis- to define everything. <laughs> Theology of the Body Up ends all of that and says, like, put out into the deep um, from the very beginning, it's the call to communion, which I have to get out of myself and in my little circle and enter the circle and sphere of the other. And it's gospel. I lose myself to find myself. The human being is made for relationship, not isolation and independence, but we're made for this radical leap where, um, wherein I become more. And uh, it's scary. It's scary as all get out. <laughs> Wait, I have to die? Yes, die. And then find new life, and so the, this leap into communion—this is a theme, and we're going to talk about in this series—the communion of persons. For John Paul II, is the eternal dance of Father, Son, and Spirit, and we're made in His image to be drawn up into that dance in a communion of persons. It is a wild adventure. It is—it's uh, a—it's—it's it's an amazing, amazing journey. And I think, you know, again, in our modern world, all that sounds very unstable, very, very uh, not secure Where's my control? (laughs) It it goes back to what Bishop Fulton Sheen would call the divine romance, right? The falling in love. Falling connotes like I'm letting go. And I think we moderns, who do I got to grasp? I got to hold on to this. Uh, TOB is a, it's, it's literally a nuclear bomb in the middle of all that stuff. It just like blows it up and says you have no idea what you're actually made for. It is amazing. And John Paul's gonna lead us into the deep, into that mystery.
0: Yeah, to build on what um, you were just saying, Bill, and, and what Connor was saying about how we often sort of, we wanna control everything, we wanna hold on to everything, or we wanna just you know isolate each variable and treat the human person that way. I, I think another, another thing that the correct vision of the human person can help us remember is not just what we're made for here, on earth and how we are to live our lives here on earth but how we are called to uh, to eternal life with God how our souls are immortal and something that's that I've been thinking about over the past year as we've grappled with this coronavirus pandemic is how unequipped modern man is for death and while we cer- certainly shouldn't just be reckless and disregard all public health precautions we do need to have this healthy remembrance that all of us will die dust we are into dust we shall return and the theology of the body helps us sort of situate that idea, uh, amidst the the tendency of the modern, as you said, Bill, to hold on to everything. I mean, you know, there are, there are several Silicon Valley titans who are trying to unlock the key to aging, so that we can figure out how to reverse the aging process. There are others who are figuring out how to upload consciousness to the clouds, so that they can live forever. This this whole transhumanist ideology and this work, the theology of the body, flies firmly in the face of all that and says, no, you're not made for transhumanism. You're not made to have your consciousness live forever in a digital cloud, you're made forever to have your soul reside with God. And that's a really powerful idea, you know, that, that, that is much more grand in scope than many people realize again. So going back to this idea, like this is not just, this is not just a book or a discourse about sexual intercourse. This is about so much more than that.
1: Oh man, you know, Zach, you're just opening up the door onto more and more and we're hitting the 30 minute mark. Uh, We need three years. Okay. This has to be a three year long episode. (laughs) Yeah, You just nailed it. His, you know, we're going to, and maybe this is a teaser trailer for the future series here, but we are, John Paul II lays out the human drama by looking at our origin, our history, and our destiny. And you're alluding to the destiny right now. The issue of, our, of the modern world is we're stuck in the historical. I don't know where I came from. I, I don't know where we're going, if anywhere. We have the thin rind of the present moment, and however I can thicken and extend that rind is all that matters. I love that you alluded to transhumanism. It's, it's this growing phenomenon. How can we just, just it's, it's grasping, it's staying right here. But John Paul, in the genius of John Paul, he shows us the beginning and the destiny in the end. And now we can rest. We don't have to fear death, right? You're right, the pandemic has shown us we are so afraid to die. We've lost the art of death, right? Um, The Ars Morendi, the Memento Mori, remember death. that, That gives us our GPS, our God positioning system, right? We understand ourselves with that. Without it, we don't know who we are or where we're going. Yeah,
0: thanks for that, Bill. And you're right, we are just about out of time. We're hitting our 30 minute mark for this introductory episode. But for my listeners, I just want to talk about what's coming next. So this is going to be a four part series, maybe maybe more if there's a lot of interest and Bill and Patricia and Connor would, would like to do more. But the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of union and what it means for the human person to be uniquely shaped for union. We'll talk like Bill was just saying about the origin. We'll talk a little bit about the creation narrative in that as well. And then the third episode is gonna actually talk more about conjugal union, about about marriage, about this idea of knowledge and how it sheds light on conjugal union. Talk about uh, how we should think of our sexual functions as you know, simply a mechanical or biological process and how actually we shouldn't. Uh, and then the fourth episode, is going to talk more about some some kind of lofty ideas I think that will go to the destiny point that Bill was just referencing as well. We're going to talk about you know Gnosticism and Manichaeism, these two heresies that Christianity has rejected. We're going to talk about um, uh, what, what it means when Genesis said that God saw that it was good. We're going to talk about the reincar- the not reincarnation, incarnation, the incarnation. Uh, we're going to talk about um, how we reconcile the fact that our bodies are not evil with the fact that our bodies commit evil. Um, and then we'll talk about our our final destiny with God. So I'm excited for the journey ahead. Thank you so much to Bill, Patricia, and Connor for joining me. I hope that uh, my listeners will will be along for the ride as well. So look forward to to the next episode on what it means to be uniquely shaped for union. Bill, Patricia, and Connor, thank you so much for joining me today. Excited for the next episode.
1: Us too, thanks Thanks, Zach. Zach.
0: And to my listeners, Uh, If you want to reach out based on anything that we talked about in this episode, email me, Zach, Z-A-C, at CredoCatholic.com. I'd be happy to connect you with Bill, Patricia, or Connor if you want to engage with them some more. Until next time, God bless you.